Hello and welcome to this episode of the John Henry Weston Show. You know, all around the world, Catholic churches are oftentimes shut down, but you also have this, you know, participation in the mass with 15%, 30%, whatever it is, uh, often with, you know, masking required and so on. But that's similar to some stores which have a percentage allowed and yes, masking required, but the law always stipulates that there are exemptions. Exemptions when people have real conditions which don't allow them to wear a mask and the stores all accept that because that's what legal that's what's legal. However, certain churches, which um, are also the ones actually that want to shut down everything anyway, but certain churches have taken it upon themselves to become uh, uber authorities such that they dictate, no, we're not going for medical exemptions. um, And we're going to deal with one of those churches today. You're going to want to stay tuned. Nick Lazuto, welcome to the program. Thank you, John. It's a pleasure to be on. Let's begin as we always do at the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. So, Nick, you are in the Diocese of Ottawa in Ontario, Canada, and uh, you've got a very interesting story of what transpired uh, with you at the Basilica uh, in Ottawa. Why don't you go ahead and tell us your story? Okay. Uh, both my wife and I uh, went to uh, St. Patrick's Basilica. It's it, St. Patrick's is not our parish, but we often go there if we miss the nine o'clock mass. And we happened to be there a few weeks ago. Uh, we entered the basilica at around 1130. And we started some prayers uh, prior to Mass. Uh, Within about 10 minutes that we were kneeling and and saying our prayers, one of the employees of the church came up to me and said, "Uh, you need to leave. And I said, why? Because you're not wearing a mask. And I uh, quickly said to him, well, I have a medical condition and uh, I'm well within the bylaw. Uh, That doesn't matter. You need to leave. And I said, you know what? Um, I'm going to continue my prayers and uh, we'll, we'll just go from there. And he said, well, I will have to call a priest to deal with you. I said, go right ahead. So Father, one of the um, one of the priests at the parish came out. I believe it was Father Amas. And uh, he very rudely asked me to leave as well. And I said, with all due respect, Father, I am in the middle of my prayers, and I would like to finish my prayers. And I insisted on saying, of course, I didn't move. He proceeded to call the police. A few minutes later, the police arrives. And of course, we go through the same scene again with the officer. And I said to the officer, officer, uh, you're interrupting my prayers. I wish to uh, complete my prayers and then we'll talk. Well, he said, you know what? You're making an embarrassment of yourself and this is gonna get worse. Uh, You've got all kinds of people looking at you. And I said, officer, these people are also looking at you as well. And so this went on for a while. And uh, he called for reinforcements. He called another officer in. He was somewhat a little more polite than the first officer. And he said, well, you know what? We really do need to talk about this. And I turned to my wife. By this time, we're getting close to quarter after 12 when mass was about to begin. So in order to respect 
uh, the parishioners that were there so that, so that mass could actually start taking place and put this comedy to rest, I said to my wife, you know what, let's go out with this officer and let's see exactly how we can resolve this. So um, all the meantime, as I'm walking to the back of the church with my wife be, uh, be, uh, behind me, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm praying the divine mercy and felt very much at ease and at peace. And at the back of the church, uh, the officer that preceded me said, he put his hand on my shoulders and he said, uh, uh, how's your mental health? And I was a little bit surprised. I said, my, my mental health is fine. How's yours? And he said, and he, he burst out laughing. He says, mine is fine. Can we go outside and talk about this? As soon as we stepped outside the church, uh, he looks at me and he says, you know what? We don't really have anything to charge you with. We're, we thought that maybe you were some drunk that went off to, uh, came into the church and you were causing a disturbance. Clearly you were not. You were praying. We could see that. And you seemed to be of, of good mental state. I said, yeah, well, thank you for noticing that. And so we had a brief conversation. And then he said to me, well, look, you know what? I know you're going to go to some kind of a higher authority about this. I said, I certainly will. Would you let us know? Because we want to know how to deal with this kind of complaint because basically you weren't doing anything wrong. I said, thank you, officer. So we chatted briefly and we went home. And as soon as I got home, I sent um, an email, uh, an anecdotal email to the bishop to let them know how I felt about this. There were emails that went back and forth through his secretary, but basically they gave me a polite apology, but were not willing to really question the pastor and the fact that they had really uh, superseded the bylaw. The bylaw is quite clear. I do have a medical condition, therefore I cannot wear a mask. And I have not been wearing a mask for well over a year. So um, when I saw that this was beginning to be a, a, a kind of a series, I stopped the emails and I said, look, uh, you know how I feel, and it, it doesn't look like you really want to investigate this further. Therefore, I will definitely consider legal action because I'm being discriminated against. And that was the end of that, and that's really where it's, it sits today. Right. Now, <clears throat> what's really fascinating about this, we, we have some footage from you because your, your wife, who was there with you, was, was actually filming after a bit. Uh, so we're going to play some of that. Mm -hmm. But one thing to note is your wife was wearing a mask. Um, so she was wearing a mask, yeah. So this is the thing. They they obviously see you with your wife, see her in compliance of their big rules, and yet the law stipulates there is this exemption for medical conditions. You presented with that, and they take no... They actually go over and above the law, um, and yet... And they're supposed to be a church, not turning people away. And another thing to point out, in the church, were you socially distanced from other people? Well, my goodness, uh, 20, 25 feet from the closest pew. Yeah. Uh, so, so, you know, I mean, really. Yeah. I mean, St. Patrick's Basilica is a huge church and, and uh, yeah. on, on weekday masses, very few people there. So mm -hmm. uh, it's un unbelievable. Um, so we're going to play a couple of clips, but before we do, I just want to mention the priest in question is actually the associate rector, Father Stephen Amas, and the rector there uh, is Father Kevin Beach, and or Monsignor Kevin Beach. Um, we want to encourage you to, you know, really make your views known about this uh, in in a polite way. But they need to respect the rights of Catholics to have the Holy Sacrifice, the Mass, and while they are complying with the law, to be allowed that 
<laughs> what right, which is only, which is only theirs. The number at the church there at St. Patrick's Basilica, 613-233-1125. We've got to stand up and support Catholics like Nick who are being discriminated against unfairly by certain Catholic pastors in the church. We can't stand for it. The faithful need to stand up. Nick, why don't we uh, go ahead and take a look at some of your video. Let's play a clip of it now. I'm standing up for my rights to, to worship my God. Okay. No, we're not. I'm not leaving. Okay. You bring it on. I know my legal rights. I'm, I'm worshiping God, and I don't, need, I don't need to tell you anymore. I've already given you an answer. It's going to go well. You need to leave. You know what? The priest has asked you to leave. You have to leave. This is his parish. You need to leave. He doesn't own this parish. We leave. are all part of this church. I'm a member of this church. I cannot own, be sir. sent out. You leave on your own, or you're going to leave in handcuffs. It's You pick your choice. Well, you know what? I'm giving you an option. Let's go. You leave, you leave on your own, or you leave in handcuffs. You know what? Don't threaten me. Don't you use want you out of the parish. So leave. That's fine. You, are are not coming. you have your options. We do. So we start walking out. We will walk Respect out. everybody else in this church. Because you're not. You're not respecting my Let's rights. Let's go. Have a good day. Let's go. For the sake of your soul, You know, he, he, obviously you were calm um, and you were collected actually. And as you said, you were said earlier, you mm -hmm. had, you know, been praying uh, the divine mercy uh, prayer. So I think that mm -hmm. that obviously gave you a lot of peace. Um, what is your motivation right now in terms of coming forward with this? Um, what's your message to both the faithful and to the priests? Well, first of all, I think as Christians, we're living through a very, turbulent time. And regardless of where this happens, we have to be cognizant of what the bylaws are, and we have to respect the bylaws. And no one is above the law, including our clergy. And especially when the, uh, the, the bishop of our diocese sent a very clear letter stating that they need to respect medical conditions. They quoted the bylaw and they talked about the bylaw, but this particular priest went over and above therefore disobeying his bishop and took matters in his own hands. So when that sort of things happen, when that sort of thing happens, I mean, I'm very, uh, I'm very adamant about protecting just human rights. Never mind the fact that I was deprived of a mass and the Eucharist uh, in the process, because I, uh, that's the purpose as to why I went to church. Um, so over and above that, um, I am more than willing to, and probably will consider legal action because this particular incident needs to be corrected. And uh, when several attempts were made to get some kind of an explanation as to why, uh, they, they offered me a polite, uh, a polite apology, but I really don't think that goes far enough. I mean, uh, you know, I respect the clergy. I have all the respect for them. These are not easy times for them as well. But when they themselves uh, contravene a very clear bylaw, then there needs to be some kind of a consequence that that has to follow. And that's precisely what I'm going to go after. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is incredible by rights. You know, I've, I've watched several pastors uh, of evangelical churches um, really 
go the other way and 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 say to the authorities, look, we can't shut our churches down. We've got to keep them open for the faithful because Christ would not turn away anyone. Uh, Christ had his doors open to all people and invited them to eternal life and to come and worship together. In particular, we are simply saying it's impossible theologically um, for the Christian church to close its doors to those who have been branded by, uh, by society uh, in the in our particular time as being socially undesirable is absolutely anathema to the Christian gospel. A Christian argument could only could never say that um, physical health and protection is the paramount and ultimate thing. A Christian argument must say that eternal health is infinitely more important. But if the church itself doesn't recognize that it is even more important than hospitals for the body, then we really do have a problem. And in days of old, when they had plagues and so on, they multiplied the masses. They made more of them because they knew that, you know, these things come through the permissive will of God because they are for us also a punishment for sin. And yet here we are doing the exact opposite of what we need to be doing. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, Nick, I want to thank you for coming forward with this and also uh, encourage you to, uh, you know, continue on, even to go back to that parish, although uh, to that church, although it might be, uh, you know, difficult, but I think it really would be good for them uh, to be able to uh, treat you properly and recognize the error of their ways. Well, you know what? Again, uh, we're all about forgiveness as well, and uh, I have no issues with that. I will definitely contact uh, the parish and uh, and politely ask them to resolve this in some way. And uh, it will not stop them from attending mass there. Now that we're back to fifteen percent as of this uh, as of this Friday, we don't know what our government is going to do next. But in terms of our uh, freedom to uh, worship our God, freedom of religion. We have to stand up for this. I mean, this is they—they they are going against our Charter of Rights and they're going against the Constitution. And no emergency act supersedes our Charter of Rights and Constitution. So I'm—I'm well versed in that area, and I'm going to keep pressing the issue until the situation changes and until we get full attendance in all of our churches, be it uh, Protestant or Catholic, because we need to defend our faith here and we need to move forward and receive the sacraments. That's the bottom line. Not out of choice, but out of necessity. As of last July, when I found out what was really going on behind uh, you know, the Great Reset, et cetera, et cetera, I became a political activist and I, to this day, I continue to be a political activist. We have uh, uh, teamed up with uh, three or four other researchers. We've put a, a presentation together that really exposes uh, the fraud behind COVID, et cetera. So we've been doing that and uh, going person to person via Zoom live for the last uh, two months and a half. And we'll see where that goes. We're trying to find strategies to push back this great evil. And, uh, you know, that's part of, what we need to do as Christians, but not we're not all called to do what we do. What we do, therefore, uh, we encourage others and we inform them. We educate others to really open their eyes as to what's really going on and what's causing uh, this turbulence. And we cannot take this for granted. You know, we go back to the early church. Good God, how many martyrs did we have that stood up for the faith? Surely we can stand up to these corrupt governments, this global uh, great reset. Uh, and replace it with the great Christian reawakening. And that's really what I'm working on. So, um, 
that's that. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much, Nick, for being with us on this episode of the John Henry Weston right. Show. And may God bless you. Thank you, John. God bless you too. We'll talk again. Amen. And God bless all of Amen. you. Amen. Take care. We'll see you next Thank time. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, this is John Henry Weston, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News. I'm coming to you today because we want to be sure that we are communicating clearly with you, our loyal followers. Things are really heating up, as I'm sure you can see. Christians, conservative truth-tellers are being targeted, are being banned from social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at an alarmingly fast rate. They are attempting to suppress any narrative that does not fit that of the mainstream media. We knew this day would come. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to lifesitenews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too, as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.